This is Back to Debbie, a show brought to you by Campus to Canton. This podcast specializes in collegiate football players and their potential for future fantasy success in the NFL. I'm your host, Mike V. This is my co-host, Corey P. And the gang is back together. And Ooh. it's midseason. We have to ask the hard questions. Do we think blank is getting day two draft capital? Do we think X player is getting day two draft capital? It's it's that time of year where one guy goes for like 100 yards and all of a sudden he's the next he's the next Julio. He's, he's the next Debo. He's the next <laughs> blank, you know, enter in superstar name. And so we got to ask questions like, do we actually believe this guy is going to be a stud? But first, Corey with the news. All right. And first, we'll head over to the biggest news of the past week. And that's with the NCAA finally doing the right thing, granting eligibility to UNC wide receiver Javantez Walker after a long PR battle that they coincidentally placed the blame on UNC by saying they were holding back information. But nevertheless, uh, Walker is back on the radar with about half a season here to make an impact. So those margins for error are feeling a little bit thinner, but we'll talk about him a little bit more when we get into our game of the week uh, at the end of this episode. Um, heading over to Oklahoma, where wide receiver Andrew Anthony has kind of popped a little bit uh, as a transfer over there from Michigan. Um, he's unfortunately out for the season. Maybe we can get to see a little bit more Jaquiz Petaway, a uh, freshman we saw get, uh, get a little bit of playing time in some of the blowouts there. Um, heading over to Colorado State, where wide receiver Torrey Horton, kind of a uh, trendy name in the draft community right now, um, he's a little bit banged up after past week's game. So something to watch out for there. Um, UTSA wide receiver to Corian Clark, a guy that we've kind of been waiting to return on. Looks like he actually might redshirt this year now, putting him kind of on the back burner for this year and maybe even out of this year's draft class. So a guy that's going to add another year to his profile. Not exactly what we want to see, but a little bit of injury context there. Um, heading over to Ohio State, where the duo of running back Travion Henderson and wide receiver Emeka Buka both being a little bit banged up. Henderson missed last game, um, but it's rumored that he's going to be okay for this week. Uh, Emeka's status is a little bit more ominous headed into this weekend, so make sure you're keeping tabs on that. And last but not least, we have former Pitt quarterback Phil Jerkovic, and I say former quarterback because he's transitioning to tight end now since he realized playing quarterback probably isn't his thing uh he'll kind of be hoping to follow in the footsteps of guys like logan thomas who saw kind of go off last week but there's a lot of failed projects as well with guys like tyree jackson uh, felipe franks who haven't really had success in their transition so we'll see what happens there and guys be sure to head over to the website at campus where you can become a member with one of our many subscription options some of which include access to our draft guides the cff weekly projections the advanced metric tools and you know the, the debut of our brand new c2c winning edge which is a collaboration with the cfb winning edge these guys are bringing you amazing in-depth work on the school depth charts keeping up to date on injury news all the projected production each week um game spread projections for all you betters out there um make sure you guys are also checking out the family of podcasts and the youtube channel uh, and keeping it locked to that youtube channel every saturday morning from here on throughout the season make sure you're catching our pre-show the tailgate from 10 a.m to 12 a.m the guys are going to be going through start sick questions keeping you up to date on all the news heading into the games going over all the betting tips and we'll also be giving you a little debbie preview every saturday morning as well so make sure you guys are keeping it locked with campus to ken to help guide you guys through the season been a crazy week. Uh, we saw Jermaine Burton go off for the first time in his life. Um, <laughs> we finally saw the NCAA do the right thing. I can't believe that. I, they try to blame other people first and defer. Um, mm-hmm. But guys, look, don't be like the NCAA. Do the right thing and buy yourself a shirt from Home Field Apparel with the promo code Campus Number Two Kin for fifteen percent off. That's one five percent off your first purchase. Do the right thing. Don't be like NCAA out there. Don't don't try to shift blame. Oh. Well, my wife said I couldn't buy a shirt. Just do it. Just do it. 
do the right thing, buy yourself some home field apparel. All right, Corey, let's get into it. We are not doing reactions this week. Uh, we're actually getting more into discussions, um, you know, because everyone else just does reactions. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we're going to start off with with the QB room. Uh, real simple discussion here because QB1 and QB2, you can have inverse order, but it's Drake May and Caleb Williams. QB three in this class. Is there another first round QB in this class? Mm, that's it's a tough question. Um, NFL always happens to prop up somebody. Two is kind of a small amount of quarterbacks to go in the first round. Two, I think there's going to be enough hype around some guys out there. I think right now, betting odds. If I had to place a bet on it, I'd bet that we get another first round quarterback, but probably late into the first round. Like talking about like twenty plus pick range. That Jordan Love, that random guy. That yeah, that there. Jordan Love range. He's kind of working out range. though, but yeah, Jordan Love out there. Yeah, that 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 kind of, that kind of range. So that that's kind of the, the range. I mean, we also got Mac Jones in that range. So I mean, that that's not working out so well. So. <laughs> Dude, I'm so upset. I just I know Chris Moxley came at me in the Slack, but I am so down bad as a Pats fan. I just I just want to oh. watch mediocre football. Let me just get some mediocre football. I don't care if we're a middle of the road team for a decade. Like, let me just get that. It's yes. bad right now, but you can take it. Come on. You've had plenty of years of success. Try being a we're tanking man. for Drake May, but I swear to God, it's going to be drafted. And we're going to take like a lineman off the board. I know it's mm-hmm. going to be like an offensive tackle. Like- JJ McCarthy, next New England quarterback. <laughs> I couldn't have pictured that at all. Yeah. I couldn't have pictured that. Speaking of JJ McCarthy, do you have a third quarterback or another one that you think could go in the first round here? Yeah, I do. I put a lot of thought into this. Uh, I know me and you talked, I think like, before I went for my trip, so maybe three weeks ago, talked about Quinn Ewers coming back to college and what would happen to Arch Manning. Mm-hmm. I don't think Quinn comes out this year. I think he's been okay. Uh, he's, I think he's a day two guy, but I don't think he comes out this year. I, I, there's guys that just have such pedigree that I think if they're told they're not a first-round QB or an early first QB, they're going to go back because they think they can do it. I think J.J. McCarthy falls in that bucket. I don't think he's there yet. Quinn Ewers, too. Not really confident Quinn gets there, but I think he'll go back. And I think that leaves us with Michael Penix. I think it's the third QB in this class. I don't think he's a day one guy. This is a six-year QB. He plays in a very superior offense against very inferior defenses on a consistent basis. I think he's fine. He's got good tools. Um, I just can't get over, like, like you know how, like, Austin talk about the Joe Burrow line. Other people have their own lines of mediocrity. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, it's, it's Hendon Hooker. Yeah, uh, like that's my question. I asked myself. I think he's like much better prospect than Hendon Hooker, and I don't. I don't really know. So I, I think he is. I, I would say he is. I think that you like. Yes, he's a got a long career in in college, but you yeah. can leave a lot of context for a lot of those. Like he's literally hasn't started a year, which is actually the biggest red flag I think. In but his it's profile. also a struggle for me to like like I, I, like uh, discerning players from system from like yeah. you know the actual player from system. I I still like. I think when draft time comes, QBs are pretty obvious. I've been right a lot just because I don't believe in like stupid hype like Malik Willis and like uh, Will Levis. Like it's just that's just dumb. Mm-hmm. But like for 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 Penix, I do think he has tools. I just like when you take him out of the system. Like, do I think he can process defenses and like manipulate them and stuff? I don't really think so. I'm not too confident though. But like, I think a team's going to see everything else and say maybe he's worthy of a day two project. And I think that's what's going to happen. And I think it would it would benefit you to get a better picture of his profile to go back and look at some of those Indiana games when he was okay. a freshman, because I think that he actually 
look, he showed flashes. I think that's when a lot of people got excited about him back then. And then it was just injury after injury after injury. And then, you know, he finally stays healthy for a full year and looks really good. And we have also have to remember when we're looking at like some of the raw things he did last year, like that was his one first full year starting in college. You know what I mean? This is just his second year, like fully, fully starting as long as, you know, something bad doesn't happen down the line, knock on wood. But I, I, I think he's looked pretty good. I know the weapons around him are good. Everything else is uh, really good around him. He's but, kept so clean too. Like yes. I tried to find like clips of him getting pressured. It's just too rough. That's also him though. He he's, he's very good attack avoidance too. He has a little bit of sneaky pocket mobility. I have to give him that, but yeah, I do like Penix a little bit. He is my quarterback for though, because for some of those reasons, I think the injury concerns are the biggest thing. Like if he gets another injury and then we're talking about like five injuries in five years, like that, yeah. when, when do you just label that injury prone and then just move on from it? You know what I mean? Cause that's, so that's a big red flag, but it is going to be JJ McCarthy for me. We've talked about it before. I talked about Austin a couple of weeks ago, so I'm not going to go too much farther into it. I just think he has a lot of tools and yes, he's not a perfect project. I mean, we saw him against Bowling Green kind of have that little blip in the radar there. I also think, you know, maybe he was looking ahead of that. We've seen him play a, better against better competition this year already but maybe he was looking ahead of that game not taking it very seriously and he just kind of you know started forcing things and end up with a three interception game it's not the greatest thing you want to see but he has the athleticism he's got the arm I think like he could write a clinic on throwing the football that's what I always say I think he's got like the cleanest release cleanest mechanics the way the ball comes out of his hand is just like beautiful someone's going to want to get their hands on this guy and being at Michigan he's going to get the attention that he needs to get into the NFL draft. Do I think that it would be smarter for some of these guys to stay? Probably because this year is so saturated with quarterbacks. And next year is really barren. So guys like Quinn Ewers and stuff like that, they should probably stay. But JJ McCarthy might have Michigan's a top three team goes into the playoffs and gets, you know, um, maybe goes for the national championship. I, I would not doubt he's declaring for the NFL draft. I do like, I'm just going to run through some names, but like, I'm not trying to move us along. You can comment about any of these guys you want, but like, other hot names like Shadur Sanders. Like nah, I think no. that guy's just a system QB. He's just running a system. Like I'm confident he's staying. On that one. He's staying, and he'll yeah, be smart too. too. He's yeah. staying, but I don't think I'll ever give him higher than like a third round draft gate. I think he's getting a third round because his last name is Sanders, and they have a really good PR team over there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, Jaden Daniels is LSU. Like I don't know. I'm not too into him, but I think he's got day two in him as well, or like late day two, probably more of a day three guy. But like I like Jackson Dar as an early day three guy. I like yeah. Cameron um, Ward. Carson Beck. Yeah. Cam Ward too is really resurging. Uh, I haven't really watched any of his tape. I've just been looking at like him getting some better deep ball accuracy. UCLA, I don't think it was too good of a game, but yeah, that was um, a bad game. Yeah. It looks like it took a step up, which wasn't the reports in spring. I remember in spring, them yes. kept saying he's still struggling with deep balls. And I was like, well, then that's it. Cause that was his issue the whole time. And if he can't fix that, I'm not there. I'm not with it, but I, I do want to go back and watch Cam Ward. But like, those are the guys I think do have like day two upside with them. Michael Pratt too. Like I, mm-hmm. I still like Michael Pratt. Uh, he just isn't developing the production profile. And I think that's going to be an issue. Um, I think the guy was talking about as a potential transfer candidate too. So that would be interesting as well. But where, where are you on Will Howard after a couple of weeks here? He's been playing injured. So I think we have to give some leniency to that. He was a guy that we small sample size last year, but me and you both liked what we saw on film. So oh, yeah, 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 like, yeah. like our draft guide and stuff. And we were kind of looked into it. I, I liked some of the things I've seen, but you know, he's a, he's been a little bit inconsistent. I'd say to start the year. No, absolutely. This last game was pretty bad too. He kept missing over the top. I know he's been hobbled with injury. I don't yeah. know how he is this last week, but I knew, I knew before the bye he had a bad ankle injury. Played through it for Missouri. I think he played through the next game as well. So I, you know, I love seeing that toughness. But, um, yeah, I, I think he's maybe also in like that day three category there with like Jackson Dart, like an early day three guy. 
Yeah. Um, I honestly I honestly don't know what to do with Jaden Daniels because I pretty much had written off this guy for his career because he hasn't been progressing at all. No progression at all. Still low A dot, still just taking e- easy plays. And then all of a sudden this year, now he's throwing the ball downfield. He's all of a sudden showing some of those things I was kind of hoping he was going to show as a sophomore after his freshman season. But now he's showing them in like year five here. I don't I don't know how to take it. I really don't. I'm going to have to go back and kind of look at how, how he played this year and see if I should put some more stock into it. But uh, he, he's surprising me a little bit, at least on the box score sheet. Same, same. I'm with you on that one too. And then we didn't mention Kyle McCord. I'm out. I'm just out. I'm out. Sorry. Yeah, I was never, I was never in. <laughs> I, I was in because of the label for the helmet you know yeah. i was holding this guy in there i was kind of in on that it's hard yeah. to fade ohio state quarterbacks and then jordan travis we didn't talk about i still think he just floats the ball but i think he's a really excellent mover so i think he could be like a late day two early day three guy too as well can't believe it all right let's get on over to wide receivers then um yeah it's be a little bit more heavier of a topic conversation uh obviously we're in the speculatory uh time of the of the year uh you know, everyone's got day two draft capital, blah, 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 blah. There's a lot of big men in this draft, um, but I wanted to ignore the guys that I really look at Corey's rankings, but I assume we both agree that these are like the top group that we kind of know is going day two or earlier. So we're mm. going to ignore, for the most part, Marvin Harrison Jr., Emeka Ibuka, Malik Neighbors, Xavier Worthy, Romo Dunze, Keon Coleman, and Troy Franklin. I'm just going to go over that list again because I went off a little fast. Marvin Harrison Jr., Emeka Abuka, both of Ohio State, Malik Neighbors of LSU, Xavier Worthy of Texas, Romo Dunze of Washington, Keon Coleman of Florida State, and then Troy Franklin of Oregon. How many of those names do you actually think push for a first-round selection? Three. Three. Three, eh? Three. So are you coming around on Odunze then? A little bit this year? No, no way. Oh, yes, little... yes, yes. Yeah, I'm coming around on him. Yes, I am. Yeah, he's not okay. the guy he should... the first round I think he's shown some more physical play this year. I like what I've seen a lot of what, uh, what I said. The guy that I I'm think... lower on in this list, though, is Keon Coleman. I don't know if I have him up here with, with the rest of this group yet, but we'll, we'll see. I like seeing Troy Franklin up here for you, for us, though. I, I just, I think it's the crowd. I really do think it's the crowd getting to me. But with Odunze, like, I don't like, again, like, same thing with Pennings. They just play in fear competition. But, like, I, I think I, I'm coming around because I, I recognize he's a good athlete. And as far as, like, guys his size, he's definitely better than average as a mover. Like, he's a better mover than those guys. So, mm. like, worst case scenario, I think he can do really well against zone. I just don't know how he is as a technician. And I always yeah. thought he tried to, like, play like a technician, but his body's just not built for that type of mobility. But the fact that he does some of this stuff and still makes the effort is more than what other guys do his size. So I like that. I like Keon as the bully, like the physical bully in this class. Yeah. Um, that, that's, that's him. That's, that That's his poster for this class is the fact that he's the bully ball guy. Like, yeah, I think that's, I know that's kind of where he is. Yeah. So, um, and then worthy, I, I finally moved up as a first round grade guy because I just told myself, I just care too much about his hands. Like the drops are an issue, but like he does everything else so well. And then, yeah, Chad and us with Austin in the chat. I think he, uh, I think he has more than one skill set. We talked about that during our like scouting episode, where uh, you know he can be a field stretcher and he can also be a technician. And like, so he's a very versatile like piece that can be used, you know, pretty often in different ways. So I, I put him down as as a first rounder. So I think there's three first round wide receivers by the way. I don't where I don't know where you're at right now with that. I would think MHJ, uh, Igbuka, Neighbors, and Worthy are probably all worthy of a first round selection for me 
I struggle with neighbors. I think I have him as a top 50 guy, like at the early yeah. second, like at the minimum. If Jordan Addison can be a first round pick, neighbors can be a first round pick. If Zay Flowers can be a first round pick, Malik neighbors can be a first round pick. I keep I just, looking at him like, why can't he be like what Amon Ross St. Brown is? I, did, I really do think he has like yeah. really high level of possession wide receiver in him. I really do. Yeah, I think is uh, not that I think he's like a world beater athleticism wise, but I think it's underrated. I think he's a good mover. I wouldn't be surprised to see him be like a four four nine guy. Wasn't his like high school forty like really good? Or am I just? I can't remember. I'm not. I I can't really remember to be. I know honest. LSU guys all run four three eights. It's yeah, yeah. Until they get to the yeah. NFL, yeah. yeah. Actually, in the actually every all of them run really good yeah, times. Except so. for Boone, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyway, that's like the top for me. And then Troy Franklin, like, I don't know. He has a spot in the NFL. I just don't know if he's like a one or a two. I think he's more of a two, though. But yeah. I'm pretty confident he's a day two guy. Uh, all right. We, uh, are we done talking with the, with the top of the list? Yeah. Let's move on to some of these these names that are really hot right now. And, and yeah, we have kind of coming out of nowhere, a lot of these guys. We have a good, like, 10 names here. But, okay, so let's talk about uh the most caked up wide receiver here in this mm-hmm. class i'm gonna tell you this guy's got a power bottom this is the first, like i think it was midnight and i texted in the group chat like <laughs> respectfully <laughs> as possible xavier Leggett, the south carolina wide receiver has like the biggest buns in this yeah. in the NCAA. dude and they're huge and i like i i, I <laughs> finally sat down and like watched it and i like, sit there like guys dude got like tree trunks for legs man like even the the Difference from the upper half to the lower half is just ri- ridiculous. And honestly, you can kind of see it come. Like, he's explosive as hell, though. He really is. And you can see that it's yeah. coming from that lower half he's got. Yeah, he's got 40, 40-inch waist, at least. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, it was it was visible anyways. But, I mean, the, the main thing that's going to be very hard about analyzing um, Leggett's profile is the fact that, you know, this is like a fifth-year player. He's, like, what, never gone over 200 yards in any other season, and there's really not much of an excuse for that lack of playing time or production. Like, you have to figure out how you're going to bake that into, like, your evaluation because he wasn't struck with a bunch of injuries or anything. Like, he missed time here and there, but he never had, like, like a big season-ending injury then was recovering the next year or anything like that. Like, no, he had ample opportunities. He started a lot of games as well. Play, or not started, but played in a lot of games as well. So there was opportunity here. This is wide receiver room has not been like crazy good either. So there was opportunity for him to do something. So that's something you have to bake into this. He had 190 receiving snaps played his true freshman year and brought in only nine receptions on 20 targets for 80 yards and a touchdown. Yeah. Like it's been, it's I mean, a bad profile. It's a really bad production profile. And I, I know this is like narrative driven. And I said this in our chats in our Slack too, as well. Like I, I don't think he would have been – he would still be a nobody if Anton Wells wasn't healthy right now. Six foot three, two 227. He's got, like, a really nice stout build. And I think he's a yak guy. Like, he's not – I don't think he's got good footwork. I don't think he's creative. Um, I think – I do think Spencer Rattler's holding on to this ball for a while. Like, he has a lot of sacks. I think he's really, like, you know, if they really get, gets open or I'm taking a sack, like, it's either or. Yeah. Um. And that's how I'm like viewing him a lot. And I know he's going to go to the senior bowl. And I think that's when he's going to lose some steam. I think he's going to go to the senior bowl and then, which is really one V one driven. Like, it's not like, how do you play against zone? How do you do this? It's very one V one driven there in that space. So it's very much about like technique, the micro it's a micro and macro, which one's the smaller micro micro. Okay. It's very much about the micro skill set. <laughs> <laughs> I need Nelly for that. Nelly uses that term. Yeah. So what do we need Nelly? Yeah. It's, it's All really he talks is in macros and micros. I don't even know what he's saying. Half the time. Yeah, dude. I think he's Italian too, so he's probably thinking about like macaronis too. Yeah, micros and macros. Oh, anyway, so I, I, <laughs> so I think I, that yeah, go ahead. I think he goes to the Senior Bowl, and like people are gonna be like, "Well, his footwork is really not like in the better half of the group at the Senior Bowl." And yeah, I, 
I'm afraid it's going to be like Elijah Higgins where they told him to go play with the tight ends because he just straight up couldn't like he couldn't get open. <laughs> like he couldn't get open in, in any of the drills. Yeah. So I think I don't know. I don't know if I'd put him in that bucket because I really do think he's explosive. Like if I look at his, if I'm just analyzing the film from this year, I'm not going to look, I'm not going to consider the profile from the past. I'm just going to look at it this year. I do see some NFL traits in the sense that you're talking about great size. You're talking about great speed. I know like real analytics had him clocked at what over 22 miles per hour on, on a run. And you can see yeah. it on the field. Like that is how he's winning right now in his routes. It's like those big crossers across the field. He's just straight out running guys. And like, nobody can even touch him or like he gets the ball in like a, a quick hitch and like burns through the entire defense because he's so freaking fast. Like, you know, uh, so that's the kind of way he's winning right now. He's really raw in terms of route running um, deception in his routes. He, he is running a variety of routes, but there's no deception in the stem of the routes or anything right. Like so not a whole lot of technique. I do have to give him credit for, um, some of the my ball mentality I see. I think that he hands, sometimes yeah. I think he jumps when he doesn't need to. He like always jumps at like every freaking ball. Uh, but uh, he has made some tr- uh, some really nice catches, kind of reminiscent of like a freshman season trail on Burks, which is like I'm comparing a guy's freshman season Ooh. to like a guy's fifth year season. So it's I was like it's call him like a discount bargain brand version of Burks. I really was. Yeah, I think I said that in like a, a couple of shows back with with, um, okay. with Austin there. But I so I think overall he has some some traits. But you have to like ask yourself how much you expect him to to keep developing if this is where he's at after five years. Like, he may just be a size-speed specimen. Like, there's one guy I always take in Madden, okay, because he's a size-speed size guy. This guy named Dariq Young. He's a wide receiver that, that, that plays for Seattle, came from, like, the FCS. But he's just, like, size and oh, speed, yeah, and he's dude. never developed into anything else other than that. And uh, that's a, really a huge factor in the NFL. Like, you can't necessarily always win on that. So I think he's got a day three profile overall. I think he's going to turn some heads up to the draft. He's going to turn heads at the senior bowl because I think he'll go there too. But I think ultimately, unless I see some of those other things clean up, I think he's going to fall to like the fourth round. Okay. I've done a mid day three. So I thought fifth or sixth personally. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, But I'm with you though. And he is super producing right now too. I have no idea when Anton Wells comes back in, but if Wells shows up and he disappears off the face of the earth, like that's. Yeah. That'll hurt even more. Yeah. 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 So um but i i really am like in general like uh, i'm done with these like raw physical specimens you know i i've been trying to sell my quentin johnson shares i've been trying <laughs> to sell my burke shares i can't sell burks anymore but i sold quentin for nico collins in a second like two weeks ago loved it mm, dude I, like I got some lead mates that like live and die by the trade calculator so thank you trade calculators yeah um so that's pretty awesome because it, it's very opposite now now it's like quentin johnson plus yeah. a first equals nico collins so yeah, Pretty people would look at that sideways in the beginning too. Like if you had Quentin Johnson drafted as your first round pick and you traded him for like Nico Collins in a second, people would be like, what the hell are you doing, man? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Got to play the values. Um, so that's it for Xavier Leggett. So not a day two guy. Yeah, that, I think that's where I think that's where we're sitting together collectively right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Brian Thomas, LSU wide receiver. Mm-hmm. He was a, uh, he beat the year one zero threshold as a, uh, true freshman didn't really take a step that that next year but i think they used him more as like a slot possession guy now they're having to move him outside and almost like Leggett, like it seems like he's either winning on a screen or he's winning deep and not in between at all it just doesn't look like i'm not into his routes like his actual routes his some of his routes like i'm more it's more about like what he does at the end of the route and his release package off the line that's that's what it is for me i think he's got i think he's got a legit profile on paper considering you know he's going to be an early declare um, a promising freshman season um, and now the productive junior campaign following it at a powerhouse like LSU as well. So 
I do just kind of think what he's doing right now is kind of just a one trick pony a little bit like that. Like even you mentioned screens and stuff like that. I didn't see that as much when I watch it and maybe I got to watch more, but you even look at the PFF. He has two catches near the line of scrimmage right now. Like most of his stuff is coming 10 plus yards down the field. It's slot fades. It's goal balls. There's some quick hitches in there, deep posts, but he's not doing a lot in the intermediate to short area. Like I, I, it's almost Dante even Wicks like, which is something I said in the chat a little bit when we were talking earlier uh, in in the uh, Debbie chat in in our Slack. Like that's kind of the usage that it reminds me of, which was a lot of downfield stuff. And I don't really know how much of a threat he is after the catch. Um, which I mean, it, it's somewhat expected with that lanky frame, six four two zero five. You can't expect this guy to like change direction a whole bunch. But there was like one catch specifically versus Ole Miss where I thought he he caught it short. He kind of tried to juke out a guy and like the change of direction was just so like, a little clunky. So I don't know how much of that is in his bag of tricks to be a screen guy, to be a hitch guy. But like I think he has speed. I don't think it's Leggett speed or anything like that, but he's showing way more explosiveness than I gave him credit for. I think the ball tracking is great down the field. Um, he has a way better profile on paper. I think you can like reasonably expect a, a higher ceiling for a three-year player versus like a five-year player as well, who might even be at his ceiling. You know, if you're, if we're, if I'm con- continuing comparison with Leggett here. So despite like being somewhat of an unfinished product in my eyes, um, I think he's going to have a higher ceiling and probably a better chance at day two selection. For me right now, he's sitting in day two. Same as well. He's, I think, wisely a 10 for me. I read in my rankings last night. I don't know if it reflects on the website just yet, though. But uh, I have him down as wisely a 10 in the class. I don't really know what his upside is. I think I think Austin talked about it, like we talked about him in the chat as well, in the, in the Slack, the coming Slack. He thought it was like Martavius Bryant-like. And it's just like, yeah. dude, what a headache. So he's going to go four for 101, or he's going to go like one for 15 and zero. Like that. Like, yeah. And I'm really um, intrigued to see like how he tests too, because like I think that there's speed there, but I don't know if there's like Martavis Bryant like four four one speed. Like I don't know. I, I'll be intrigued to see. I know he was he was touted as that type of guy coming out, but I just don't know if I've seen it to this point. Yeah, and I do think it was a misuses thing by LSU to start off, which means yeah. that he's not like he's gonna be used in a specific way. Like he's a he's a very like situational dependent type player. Maybe yeah. got some maybe got some set packages for him, but. A Pacific not type of way, not, not an Atlantic type of way, eh? <laughs> I struggle saying that word. I really do. I can't, I can't say it. Okay. I have to like sound it out first. Specific. Okay. So date, specific. so we're, we're day two on Brian Thomas? Yes. Yes. Right. Day two, like third round. Third round. Third round. Yeah. I think that sounds good. All right. Um, moving on. Uh, A.D. Mitchell. Adonai Mitchell uh, transferred from Georgia over to Texas. A very athletic guy. Also struggled with injuries. Had a nice game last week. Nope. Two, well, two weekends ago. Two weekends mm-hmm. ago. Had a really nice game. 10 for, I want to say, 13 for 141 and one against, I can't remember, Kansas. Kansas. Against Kansas. Yeah. yeah, they look terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, anyway, and then didn't do much this week either. I've talked about Adonai Mitchell. I love his mobility. Uh but like he just hasn't put it together, and you can blame Quinn a little bit for this too. I think Quinn's Quinn, Quinn's just inconsistent. He either has perfect placement or like I think Quinn just like lobs the ball too much, like too many lollipops out there, which I really yeah. hate, and that really kind of kills any type of yak you can get out of a throw too. Anyway, Adam Mitchell is, is like the guy. He feels like JJ McCarthy to me, where he has all the tools. I've seen to put it together for production profile. And so far, I don't see that. So I think ultimately he goes back to school if Worthy leaves. Like he'll stay. I think he can be the one next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I like the tools a lot. And even if the production profile like suffers, like we're halfway through the year, you know, and they'll make a bowl game too. So like, let's just say we double his stats. He'll be 
you know, maybe 800 yards with eight touchdowns, which isn't a terrible production profile, but um, it's not consistent. I, but I think I think he'll go to the combine. He'll test super well. I think someone might take a shot on him. I think he's a late day two guy right now, but uh, there's a lot of upside with him. And I just really want to put it together to see that upside. Because Again, I'm tired of like these raw big men really kind of burning us lately. Quentin Johnston, I think, I think, yeah, I think UJ, we, this isn't an NFL show, but I think QJ is looking like Kenny Galladay out there, and it's really scaring me. Yeah, I think, I think it's a little too early to make that much of a jump forward, but That's I understand true. your concern there a little bit anyways. But um, with A.D. Mitchell, I think, you know, you mentioned a couple of times, I think consistency is really the name of the game with him because I think he shows flashes of this, uh, you know, really good body control, great sideline awareness, um, that my ball mentality in the air. Like, I mean, Austin brought this comp on when he came on with me. I'm glad I didn't have to do it because I have seen it at times, and it's just flashes, okay? It's not a perfect comp, but there's maybe it's the UGA or whatever. It's George Pickens at the catch point sometimes with the way he can body control contort everything the sideline awareness everything like that um where it differs is the consistency of that ability he doesn't show it as consistently as george pickens does and and the rest of the complete package for me that he has uh, you know i've wrote in his profile uh the last two years or maybe just the last or the first year but um i think he has a lot of wasted movement in his routes i don't think he's a very crisp route runner i don't know if he really knows what he wants to do in his routes yet i think he's still trying to like figure that out there's like little deception through them i do think he's a fluid mover um, but I have questions about his top end speed too. I don't know how much of like a burner he's going to be down the field. We saw that, that game versus Kansas where he seemed to be used more traditionally, had a, a lot more shorter passes, but like he didn't really like impress me after the catch either in that game. I definitely feel like overall watching his tape, watching him over these few years, you know, being a UGA fan, like I, I'm a little bit lower on consensus right now. I feel like at least on a, on a Donnie Mitchell. Um, I think he has a trick that gets him into the NFL, which is what we see George Pickens succeeding at. I, I just don't think it's going to be consistent enough. Like he can't be George Pickens who, you know, can routinely make those absurd catches over and over again while he continues to develop the rest of his game. Um, but I just think that part of it is too, too inconsistent to rely on that specifically all the time. I think he's more raw than people give him credit for. Now, if I'm going to talk draft capital wise, I think he has the potential for a day two pick just because he has traits, because he plays for Texas, because he's going to be in the national eye a little bit. Um, but he's going to be a guy that I think I'm going to be fading at that price. If I were to put a price on him right now, I'm taking him in the fourth round. Okay. Ultimately, yeah. though, I think he goes back. It's just, if the way he's doing right now continues, he's going back for another year. Yeah. If he's part of this class, I'm I'm taking him in the fourth. That's where I would like him. But ultimately, I honestly think that he could work. He could be a day two guy. Yeah. Uh, do we talk uh, Isaiah Nayor or Troy O'Meary? No, I think we're okay on that one. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's get on to the next one here. Um, Malachi Corley, uh, UK, or sorry, not UK, WKU, Western Kentucky University. So our first G5 guy we're talking about, wide receiver for uh, the Hilltoppers. Uh, he's a he's a yak stud. I think the way he runs after the catch is like a running back. I, you know, ideally you see wide receivers catch the ball, they're in the open field, they're trying to make a guy miss. I think Malachi just goes up field and like runs like as violently and as powerful as possible. Like honestly, like as a runner, I like I think he runs a little bit like Zamir White did, where he's just bra- <laughs> red basket carrying it and just super violent, just swinging his arms around like while he runs. <laughs> like, that's that's how I view Corley after he catches the ball. So I, I think for me. I think the number one yak skill set in this class, I think, has to go to Corley. And I I don't I don't know how much special his routes are. It's G5. I don't really see it personally. I really don't see it. I don't think he's a route runner. Um, and I don't know if he's capable of it. 
it's one of those things too. Like, I don't know if his mobility is there for it, but I, I think he's like the number one gadget guy in this class. And I think usually that holds some sort of weight for the draft capital. He's a, he's a fringe day two guy for me, even today. Goes to the senior bowl, and we'll see a lot more of his footwork there. Yeah, I think like his, his ceiling could be, you know, capped a little bit as like a slot guy probably in the NFL. That's a little bit. But we, we have seen some productive guys, you know, kind of be in this role in the NFL, be startable for fantasy teams at least. Um, it's like it's this really like low A dot, you know, after the catch stuff in, in WKU system. Like Corley is a beach a beast after the catch. So like he, he breaks off tackles. He is he's a loser. Like to me, he's probably a top three receiver in the class. I wouldn't say he's like the, the number one guy after the couch, but he's got the great build, 5'11, 210 pounds. If he is actually that, I hope that he actually is. He looks like he's put on quite a bit of of weight when you look at like a freshman picture compared to where he is now um i think he's quicker than fast you know which is probably more better suited for those shorter routes that you're going to be running out of the slot um you know maybe some shades of like a sterling shepherd type on the high end um but i i think there's definitely an argument to be made against them you consider the manufacturer touches the system the competition level um it's almost reminiscent of i went back back on this a little bit too but you you remember zay jones profile coming out of east carolina so many years ago like it yeah. wasn't quite to that level of manufactured touches, but it was, it's very similar. A lot of low A dot stuff. He got propelled like super high because of it. You know, Zay Flower, Zay Jones is doing actually pretty well in the NFL. I just don't know if Corley has that kind of downfield ability at the same time as well. You haven't seen it at least. I think he has like one catch over 20 yards or something like that. Very, very uh, short stuff. But also, I wrote this down. Maybe go back and see for yourself. Um, I noticed a tendency to cradle the ball when he when he's catching the ball down the field. Maybe it's just a guy who's not used to consistently winning at the catch point or downfield in that manner. But just something you watch for next time you watch tape, it seems like maybe he's not so comfortable catching the ball as much as he is, you know, in in, in shorter spaces or whatever so down the field. So regardless, I think he's a really solid player. You got to just take him at face value and accept that he's he's not going to be a team's like wide receiver one. But I think he could be a good fantasy asset for your team. For me, he's a fringe day two guy because I think some of the hype is there, but like. Yeah, I think of him like a day four guy. I mean, a uh, day four, holy. <laughs> round, yeah, round four guy. Um, uh, interesting to talking about the cradling. I'll look into that because I do see that obviously as a runner, like that's what he does. Um, yeah. And I yeah, I guess that kind of makes sense. So that's what he's used to. He's more focused on the transition to a runner rather than actually catching the ball. Yeah. Uh, so that would be interesting. Uh, PFF has him down for three catches over 20 yards. Although on the three chart, they only, have, they only have two down there, which is interesting to me. Um, anyway, so he's got three out of eight yeah, targets. The, actually, the next way. guy we're going to talk to is actually the guy who has the one catch for 20 yards. But we'll get into another G5. Okay. If you want okay. to get into it right now. Yeah, yeah. We're going to talk about a Colorado State wide receiver, Torrey Horton, who's had a little bit of a, a rise here through draft buzz, had that nice game against uh, Colorado that you know everybody was watching till like 2 o'clock in the morning that really kind of put him on the map a little bit, threw a pass in that game, uh, some nice kick return ability. He's 6'2", 190 pounds. He's in his fourth year, and – I'm really eager to get your opinion on his tape if you've watched it. Because I actually had to go back and watch the 2022 tape to get a better picture of this guy. Because the 2023 tape was brutal. And I'm not saying him. I'm not saying he's brutal. But the way they are using him. This guy has one catch over with 20-plus yards down the field. It's all short-crossing stuff. Turn on the Colorado game. Watch this guy. He runs. He's in like a bunch formation or he trips to one side. And the guys run around down the field. And he just trickles down underneath. Shallow cross. Gets the pass. 10 yards shallow cross underneath it's over and over and over. And it's like, I don't know how to, I don't know how to evaluate this usage. You know, in 2022 he's more diverse. The target dispersal was, you know, spread through all three levels of the field. Actually more of his targets came down the field. Um, so he did show a little bit more of that, uh, that usage. But if this continues this year, like 
this is going to be like a hard valuation off the state for me. Yeah, no, I watched him last year. I don't remember in the chat I was talking about him. I, I don't like think he knows how to run routes. I think he's like stiff. And then I keep referencing Austin on the show. We might as well just have him come join us <laughs> on the show, honestly. And then Austin was saying that he thinks he's more of a uh, – he just has so much wasted movement, which I thought actually made sense too. But like it, that's what I think. I think he's just stiff. I don't know. Like, yeah, so I don't think he's a good route runner, um, which I don't think is like the – and all of stuff like that. Like, like Rashid Rice, my whole evaluation for him last year was that he's really good against zone. Like, his mm-hmm. footwork's really not there, but I think he's really good against zone. And I haven't looked at Horton in that sense, but that's, yeah. That's, you can't, that's, you can't even I, make an opinion, honestly, with the way they're using him right now. You can't even make an opinion. It's really I, know, weird. I wonder, but I also wonder if, it, if that's just Clay Millen. Like, Clay Millen just sucks so bad. That's how they use him. And now that they but have... They, but they used him differently last year. I don't understand why. Like, here, my only theory into it was looking into the numbers a little bit, was that they realized the role they used him in last year, even though it was productive, he didn't necessarily, like, excel in it. This dude brought in 8 of 18 contested, charge, uh, contested targets last year. It was pretty brutal conversion rate. And like you said, a lot of wasted movement in the, in the routes downfield, in the in- intermediate routes. So now maybe they just feel like, you know, this is a better yak guy. He's really good kick returner as well. Let's just get the ball in his hands and let him do some and let him do the damage. But the whole thing about switching the way they're using him from last year, it's, it's a bit of a red flag for me. This is just a, a day three profile to me um, with special teams upside to get him on the field early, but not somebody that I'm going to be pushing into day two. I'm going to look and see how he does against press coverage on PFF. Maybe that's got to be it. But, yeah, no, I'm not I'm not in. I think he's day three. I think there's only one G5 guy with day two upside. It's Corley for me. I've always yeah. thought Horton was a, you know, fifth rounder, sixth rounder, mid mid to late day three. I'm just hoping at this point the usage changes so we can get a better valuation. I don't know how to evaluate the tape the way it is right now. <laughs> oh, another name that – I feel like we haven't seen nearly as much lately than we were earlier in the season because he was catching a ton of touchdowns. And we're talking about Michigan wide receiver, Roman Wilson. Uh, it's, you know, Michigan guys are always talked about with draft circle buzz. Have you watched Roman Wilson at all? I have. I, have a, I was actually a fan as a freshman. So this is a guy I've actually, I've actually been following, but I will. 100% so you're biased. That I wrote. So you're. Are you biased? No, but I wrote him off. No, no, no. I maybe, <laughs> but I wrote him off. So similar to like Jalen. So this is why I've been relating it. His situation at least to Jalen Hyatt because I wrote off Jalen Hyatt too. Two guys I liked as prospects didn't do freaking nothing, and then all of a sudden in like their last year, they're gonna do something and then get like draft capital. So it's like it's hard to analyze that. I will say though, did you know that Roman Wilson broke year one zero thresholds? Uh, actually, yeah, I did. I did. I, I didn't know that. I, I didn't know that. I, I, ju- I just realized. I actually thought he didn't, but uh, he, yeah, he went over the 100 yards as a freshman. So that was, that was actually intriguing that he did that. Was but, he yeah. a top year under recruit, though? I, I have 219. No nice. Yeah. Good so point. he, so he was right in there. But I, I, I'll just say, like six foot 192. So he has a nice build and he's got great athleticism for a uh, uh, verified 4.3740 um, as a recruit, 39 inch vert as well. Um, actually, I remember being disappointed when he went to Michigan. I can't remember who else he was considering, but I remember being disappointed a bit because you know we've seen how Michigan wide receivers get used, and it has played yeah. out disappointingly until now, anyways. But um, he's someone I do just kind of find myself liking a little bit right now. He might be one of my favorites of the, like him and Brian Thomas might be my favorite of like the climbers this year. Um, like he he kind of looks smaller at times. I wonder what like that wingspan is. Like <laughs> he doesn't really look like he has long arms, but yeah, great yeah. hand, great hands catcher, very natural hands attack in the ball. And this guy's like snappy, which is what I like in his routes. Like he's very snappy and it's crisp, 
but we're also talking about a 90% slot player, a ton of free releases. So there, there's more shades of like that Jalen Hyatt to his profile, even with the late career breakout. And he's just much less of a vertical guy though. You don't see a lot of like huge vertical plays. Like he, he gets one every once in a while, but it's a lot of these shorter catches and intermediate ones that he's turning into big gains. So I just think with his athleticism, the build, how Michigan is going to do this year, like uh, he's continued to do well as well. Like he hasn't really fallen off the map that much, even though the, the talk is kind of quieted down a bit. I think, I think he's a day two pick. Have you seen the snaps, by the way? Like, this is my issue with him because I couldn't like develop an opinion about him. Did you see how many, how many like snaps he had this year? I so haven't far? looked at the snaps, no. All right, six games, right? Six games, 101 receiving snaps through six games. Out of what? Like, what, like, like compared to who? who like, all right, I got, I got like get open on my screen, right? But guess played five games and he has 180 routes. Okay, left. but in, ter- in terms of Michigan wide receivers, is he, le- is he second, third? No, I have no idea. I'll pull that up. But I'm just saying, like, he's not on the field. And it's not because of his talent. It's just because they're winning games and they're like, we yeah. don't need him on the field. But, like, I can't I can't watch him if he's not on the field. He's got 13 snaps against Minnesota, 13 against Nebraska, 20 against Rutgers. Like, that's a high. And 22 against East Carolina was a high. Like, it's sure. so – I don't know. I've had a tough time evaluating him. I just – I don't know if he's anything special out of the slot. Like, when I think – you know what? I'll actually watch the Minnesota one. I know he's got 13 routes against Minnesota, but I will actually watch that one. Yeah. And the problem is actually fine. when you do watch the tape, it's like four catches a game or like three catches. I know. <laughs> so I, that's a tough part. I think that's a good defense to play against. I really, I just could. I try watching his earlier stuff. You know, we got like caught those six touchdowns in three weeks, but yeah, yeah. Um, it was because I, I think that's interesting. But anyway, Jason, I have no real then. I have no real opinion, but yeah, he is currently rising up the board. Trending that's up, our, fully admitting that's our that. first. Uh, that's our first difference, I think, in this list. Well, sucks, sucks to be wrong, Corey. So it does suck to be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's get into the juicy Jays. Let's talk about Jalen McMillan and Jalen Polk. Um, okay, I got. I got to take, take on Jalen McMillan here. Okay, Washington wide receiver. Do you know okay. that meme? That meme where the kid asks the mom for something, and the mom says, "No, we have that at home." Yeah. And then it shows a picture of a less but sort of similar thing. Jalen McMillan is the guy you have at home when you really want Emeka Ibuka. That's my take here. And I actually mean that in a good way. He's like the cheaper version of Emeka. Similar build, high slot percentage guys, but also have the size and versatility to slip outside if needed. Both are great route runners. Um, Jalen is actually really nice from the slot. Good footwork, a good deception, nice tempo through his routes as well. Bolster some of the negatives as well. Both aren't great in contested catch situations. Jalen's a little bit worse. Five for 15 last year. Um, Egbuka was nine for 17 last year. Um, both get a lot of free releases working from the slot as well. So I think if you like like Egbuka and the type of player he is and you miss out on him early, you come back in the second round. You got a little backup option here in Jalen McMillan, who I think has, you know, maybe, maybe some Chris Godwin type upside, I think, here as a day two player. Okay. I I also, I've also come around Jalen McMillan. And it's just... Mm-hmm. I think I want to say months ago, I complained in the discord about how there's just quite a few possession guys that like, you really have to ask, are they special? Or are they just productive in their system? Mm-hmm. And he's one of the guys I asked myself, like, I asked myself about that, about with him, with like Antoine Wells. And I, the, there's a, actually a really long list of possession wide receivers in the NCAA that are like that. But I like McMillan. I do think he has decent athleticism. I was hoping to see him more this year. And I, was also hoping like last year, I don't know, like he started out producing Romo Dunze like the second half of the year. Yeah. And so I was, yeah, I mean, they're both, they're both very separate roles in this offense. And I just think, you know, once in a while, one is going to work better against a certain defense than another, but they're both very specific like roles. You know, I don't think they really like chew into each other that much. 
Yeah. Okay. But so do you think McMillan has versatility or do you think he's like just a slot guy, but like a really solid slot guy? No, I think he has versatility because he has size and he has done routes. He has played outside too. That's why I kind of related it to Igbuka, who's also, you know, 70, 75% slot guy, but has the versatility to go outside if you want to ask him to do that. That's another reason, you know, I even related to Godwin, very high slot player, but can go on the outside if you need to. I think yeah. he, he fits that spectrum of player. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm in on McMillan. I want to ask you about Polk though. Uh, Jalen Polk, Polk, he's a th- third year wide receiver, right? I think he's only going to his third year. A fourth year, oh, fourth he was year, a Texas okay. Tech transfer. I don't know if he registered it before that, but 2020 was his fresh was his first productive year. Yeah. Um, do you think he's a day two guy, or do you think he's just a like a fill in, flashy guy? As of right now, I don't I don't think he's a he's a day. Th- two guy like i think i see a strong-handed um downfield threat more of your possession type though i don't see a ton of separation with him overall like even his routes the guy's a lot in his hip pocket or even the separation he does get is just like a step you know what i mean so i i think that he's he's lacking the overall explosiveness but he does bring good size to the table and i honestly wonder if he doesn't just return next year if he can that's why i was wondering uh, i was asking you eligibility there and be like the wide receiver one for next year you know because like i currently think he's got a day three profile but when Jalen, because Jalen McMillan's going to come back too, and they're probably going to take over most of the production. But if he thinks to himself, "Hey, I could stay for one more year, be the number one in this Kalen DeBoer offense, and maybe propel myself to like a day two pick next year," I think that's the better route for him. Because I think as right now, from what I've seen and in his profile, I don't think it's anywhere near day two profile. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. I've seen like, have you seen mock drafts with three Washington wide receivers going like between day like day two? I and barely day one? pay attention to mock drafts right now, man. It's, yeah, it's, <laughs> I'm looking at that and I'm like, I don't know the last time I've seen. Three it's like a mock drafts weekly or just the hype of like the previous week. That's a couple yeah. it is like. <laughs> yeah, they're basically reaction podcasts, but you just yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Jalen McMillan, day two guy, Polk, day three guy. Yeah, but I think McMillan's like a third rounder. I don't think he's. I don't think he has second round material in him. I think I'd be fine with that. I think Chris Godwin was a third rounder, wasn't he? Yeah. There yeah. you go. Yeah, you can go ahead and hype up the one guys that bust out in the third. Go ahead and keep <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah, there, there's way more. Um, Keenan Allen was a first round pick. No, he's a third. Keenan Allen. Keenan, Keenan Allen. Look he got hurt. Right he had a terrible combine. I'm pretty sure he's a day three guy. Is he? I, I must be thinking about what that wrong. I'm gonna have to cut this. Yeah, out and then it almost like he's unathletic, but he like did it with a hurt ankle. He did like a discount version. Yeah, of you're right. Yeah, yeah, 76 overall. Yeah, for some reason I thought he was like pick 28. For some reason I don't know why. Yeah, from Cal, the good old days. Yeah, the good old days. Uh, let's talk about Jamari Thrash, the uh, transfer wide receiver at Louisville. Louisville is on a tear right now, undefeated. Beat I think their toughest opponent on the schedule this year so far, Notre Dame. Um, actually, probably the tough schedule all all year, honestly. Well, next to Kentucky, obviously, Kentucky's pretty elite this year. <laughs> Unbiased. Um, I like Thrash a lot. I wish he was a little bit more athletic. I really do. Yeah, and I know he's always been like productive. Like he he might not have it like the raw stats his first three years, but like when he's on the field, he gets targeted, um, which makes me feel better about it. And now that he's in Power Five. Like he's. Like Notre Dame is a good defense. He went eight for nine for seventy-two and one against them. Like that's a like that's a really solid game. Yeah, he it, like he has that hidden gem aspect to his profile, right? Like all those like years at uh, Georgia Southern, I believe, or was it Georgia State? No, it's Georgia Southern, I believe. Where like they they didn't even Georgia, pass yeah, for Georgia, no Georgia State, Georgia State. Yeah, Georgia State. They didn't even pass for like 
1500 yards in some of those years he was there but he like he had like a really high yards per run like you were saying is he was he was targeted when he was on the field he was still like the guy there and then he blew up when they went to the air raid now he's now he's Brahms wide receiver one and, and Louisville and I think that like you know, when we, when we were talking about Corley, I think they're kind of similar athletically where I don't, I think they're kind of quicker than fast, but I don't think they got like the deep speed. Um, but he is actually a guy who plays on the outside, 6'1", 180 pound frame. So I think he's he, soft too, by the way. Unlike Corley, I think Thrash is soft. Yeah, he might not be, he, he might be a little bit more finesse to him, I think. He is more, yeah. I think he has a little bit more dan- uh, wiggle to him, I guess, and maybe a little bit more elusive in his hands. I think there's some yeah. sudden movements there, I think. Um, I think he has one of the highest force mistakes in the Power 5. I can't remember the exact number right now, but he's a guy that's kind of right on the edge of day two for me. I think there's context to his five-year profile. Uh, and he's going to have the one-year power five with a lot of production. But I think his capital could be similar to Brahms wide receiver one from last year and Charlie Jones, who ended up winning the fourth round after you know being pretty damn quiet throughout his entire career but blew up in that last year in this role. So I think he's right on that edge. Um, dart throws chance he's late day two, but I think I think he's like an early day three type of guy, round four, round five. Okay, so he's tied for fifth on missed tackles forced. On the yeah. Game. And that's just power five or G5 too? Oh, uh... Third, no, third, third and power five. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, Luther Burden at number two, at number one for power five. Just Luther saying. Luther Burden is, is awesome. Who would have thought? Not me, that's yeah. for sure. <laughs> anyway, uh, no, I, I think like on a scale of Brahms wide receivers, I'm talking about like Rondell Moore, um, David Bell. Man, I really believe in David Bell. I feel so stupid. Anyway, <laughs> uh, David Bell. Uh, Jamari Thrash and Chris Jones, like his last four. I think he's better than Chris Jones. I think he's a fourth rounder for me. He's an early day three yeah. guy for me. Yeah, that's um, right, Yeah, I think he's better than Charlie Jones. And yeah, so that feels good. Yeah, we're on the we're on the same wavelength there. Yeah, dope, dope. We're like now. You thought you thought I was going to let you leave this wide receiver conversation without mentioning my guy. Okay, I you didn't even have you didn't even have it written on this I list. I made this show sheet over a week ago, <laughs> and I was redoing my rankings. I would have added him in. Uh, I am I, the receiver i want to talk about is the most underrated wide receiver in the ncaa the entire ncaa i don't know about arizona that. state wide receiver elijah badger okay quite possibly the most dynamic wide receiver in this class after the catch that's why i didn't give it to Corley because i honestly think that this guy might be you know with the ball in his hands super dynamic 6 to 190 pounds kick return with almost a 30 yard average he's returned a touchdown i think as well this year has done it in the past as well he has success on those manufactured touches, but also excels at three levels of the field. I'm telling you, like, I think he's severely underrated because of the poor situation and the lack of attention he gets there at ASU. He was a good recruit as well. Super physical, refuses to go down on first contact. Uh, he, he pairs that with that slippery elusiveness as well. And then there's even some end zone reps that I cut. I, I can even send it to you after where he creates separation in like very small areas. And like with guys pressed on him and stuff like that, it's, it's a complete package of a wide receiver, man. I lo- I really do like this guy a lot. Um, this is going to be a dude that I'm going to hang my hat on. I mean, I wasn't a Monroe guy. I'm Monroe St. Brown. Had him as a top five wide receiver in that class. Absolutely yeah. crushed when he went in the fourth round. But I stood strong. If I have to do that again with Elijah Badger, I will. If he becomes a fourth round selection, which could could be possible with the lack of attention he gets over there, if he even, if he even commits this year or if he even goes to the draft this year. But I'll hang my hat on him if I want to. I really like this kid. Did he beat the year one zero? I believe, if I'm not mistaken, was he COVID? Nope, he wasn't. He wasn't. Yeah, I don't this think it's a loaded question because I already know the answer, but you can go ahead and discover it. I'm pretty sure you already you already talked to I'm I'm pretty sure you already talked to me about the fact that he isn't. Uh but you know, like I don't think that's the end all because I think Nico Collins right now is gonna beat the year one zero theory, making him the third guy to do it. 
uh, along with DK and Jarvis Landry. So good for him. I think he is very good in the short area, and Corley does it against G5. I think Badger does it, obviously, in his Pac-12. So it is a step up. Um, I don't have as much faith as Corey does in his deep and his intermediate, but I think he's really elite in the in the close area. I think that counts for something. I do have him as a back-end, like, day-two guy. I think he's a, he's a late third-rounder. Um, it's really hard for me personally to bet on, on guys being the year one zero threshold, but when you're a late third rounder, I don't think I could really care. Like, I'm not going to be in my draft and my, like, I don't know, my third round of my rookie draft and be like, well, this guy didn't beat year one zero. Like I, it's just a third round pick. So I can care a little okay. Less. Well, th- well, this guy is my guy in this draft. You had one last year that you hit very well on with Puka Nakua. Thank you for that, mm-hmm. by the way. Cause I have many shares of Puka Nakua right now that I'm very much lavishing. It. I swear to God, I have a, I have a group of home league friends that we have about like five different dynasty things together. Once PPR, once Superflex, ones, whatever I'm in like first okay. in all of them. And it's honestly because I have Puka Nakua adding to like all the <laughs> other teams. So thank you for that. But who is that guy for you this year? Since Elijah Badger is that guy for me, who would that be for you? Do you have one? I need to go for a rant real quick. One, Felix didn't even acknowledge that I've been talking about him like since like week two <laughs> of last year. He was even like an all-season my guy for me. And then mm-hmm. even at the Senior Bowl on the live shows, I said he was the best guy day one. He was, hands down. And then he and then he left. And I started, <laughs> part of it was like Mike was asking everybody where he was. I was, dude. I really was across the whole stand. But <laughs> and we viewed that badly. Like, we viewed that badly, too, because we were like, oh, God, he couldn't handle it. Or, But then you also said, like, maybe he just got worried he was a day two guy and left. And then he didn't that's what, that's what, it's either It's either they're doing bad to take him away to, like, not look worse. Or they got yeah. word that, like, some team likes him a lot. And he looked really good day one. So that was my assumption. And then yeah. obviously draft night happened. He got fifth round draft capital. Yes, yes. We himself. all know you're the Puka Nakua guy. So tell us the next Puka Nakua. Um, I'm not so sure yet. You don't have one yet, eh? <laughs> no, Put you on I'm the spot. Confident. You don't even have one. I'm not confident. I thought Puka was a really easy guy because last year I thought he was maybe. Oh, you got asthma, Corey? Is that what that is? <laughs> yeah. <I got it. laughs> Yeah, that's your inhaler. Anyway, yes, um, <laughs> um, <laughs> I think like sometimes we should look at like NFL, like college, like sometimes scheme does matter. Like there's no way Devin O'Chain would be this successful if he didn't go to Mike McDaniels, who's all about speed and just really good at scheming guys open, you know, yeah, like, there's having wide open spaces like, to run because everybody else is worried about all the other speed on the field. So yeah, yeah, like that. And then like, you know, and then Puka goes to, um, McVay, who I think I talked about being the perfect landing spot. I think he's similar to Cup, where like it was, and that was, no that was one released. of the thing that was one of the things that actually propelled me to put even more faith was because I was like, there's a realistic opportunity for wide receiver two here. If he's any good, nobody else here can be what need is good enough. You to are not convincing me too too at well. It's good all of a sudden. Like there's no way. I'm no, sorry. yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't believe <laughs> to begin with anyway. So yeah, opportunity plus coaching scheme. Although I thought they'd be a lot worse than they were, but. Yeah. Yeah, so I so, no Puka Nakua yet is what you're saying. No, but I will be thinking about this, and I'll get you a better answer next week for sure. I'm, tr- yeah, I'm. I'll give you a better answer next week. All right, I'm holding you to it. All right, that wraps up our wide receivers. So just real quick, as they really get we a wide receiver from South Carolina. We agree. We think is a mid day three. Brian Thomas, we're there. We think he's a day two guy with a limited skill set. Ad Mitchell, love the tools. I think he goes back, and I think he's. Right now, he's a late day two guy. Corey does not. He thinks he's more of a day three. Corley, did we both agree he's a late day three guy? The best, but we did agree he's the best G5 receiver probably coming out. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd say he's, he's on the edge for me. Like, I, I would not be surprised to see him go in the fourth either, but 
Still, Gadget's, still decent draft capital there. Gadget skill set. Those type of guys always get more excited depending on creative play caller they go to. So, like, if they go to Bill Belichick, I'm not excited. That dude's not creative. So, like that. I just I hate being a Patriots fan right now. Just it's okay. It on it's, the we, we, it's all episode. <laughs> we used up all of our luck for two decades. It's okay. <laughs> all right. Um. All right. Uh. Tory Horton. Me and you are not there. We think he's a midday three guy. Uh. Roman Wilson, I think we disagreed. You thought he was day two, and I thought he was more. I, of a, yeah, I'm on day two with Wilson for now. Yep. I think he's more of a day three guy. I'm still waiting to see him, though. I haven't watched enough, so I just want to put that yeah. out there. Uh, Jalen McMillan, uh, we're together. We think he's a, a third rounder. Jalen Polk, we're together. We think he's a third rounder. Yeah. Jamari day Thrash three. from Polk. Day three. Day three with Polk. Day three. Day three. Excuse me. Yes. <laughs> um, and then Jamari Thrash, we both think he's a fourth rounder. We both agreed on that one. So, yeah. Yeah. Edge. Edge. Yeah. Yep. And then Badger, I do think he's a third rounder. I think he's up there with Corley as one of the best uh, yak threat type guys. I guess you probably got to give Badger the edge for being actually power five and Corley's not. So, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Running backs. Uh, this class sucks. But anyway, let's head over to running backs. Um, there's not too many exceptions here. So I just kind of want to breeze over what's usually the top. I haven't moved in my rankings. I also made a little announcement on Twitter today. I just don't. I don't understand a lot of what's happening and we're going to go over that here coming up. But um, so we're not going to skip over anyone like we did with the wide receivers kind of skip over the top group. Cause I think all these guys need to be talked about. There's clearly no first round draft capital guys this year. I think, I think the whole community can agree on that even outside of us. Yeah. And even with, that. even with day two, like it, I, that's the problem know, is that we're, we're, we're saying day two capitalists, this, this, yeah. uh, for but I feel show. like all these there guys might are be like three rounders guys. now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't even feel like good about these guys being second rounders at this point. But anyway, let's, let's start with Braylon Allen, who I did move up, I think to my RB one in this class, past yeah. week for the class. Yeah. Only cause it feels the safest. Like that's the only reason. Not cause I, I think he's a really good bruiser. I think he's very elite down the middle, which I don't think this class has a lot of. So you can hang your hat on that. And I love seeing the pass catching work, but it's it's dump offs. So let's be real here. He's not running routes. These are like I, negative. I, four I still hate that. I still hate that everybody is saying it's a big negative that we shouldn't be considering it. The fact is, he's he's comfortably catching the ball. I still think that's that's a plus. I mean, there's yes. he's just like seven for seven. You know what I mean? Like he's I, catching I, every ball that comes his way. Like it's it, it's still a part of his profile. I think that's an, a plus given like given what we've seen before this. And we've been like, you know, Derrick Henry, like it's so hard to pull the trigger on drafting Derrick Henry in your redraft leagues for word because you're like, well, he's not catching balls. Like, I don't know, you know, so it's yeah, at least, you know, you can feel good about him getting these dump offs. Um, Just don't expect him to be like Samir Gibbs out there. That's for sure. Yeah, like so. So I've actually considered this as well, putting him at my RB one. The problem is that I still think, in fantasy terms, that it's like you need a Derrick Henry perfect situation for him to hit that kind of like RB one levels that we're hoping for. So, like in a fantasy sense, I'm still like a little bit worried about that. I still think you know, I still think he's intriguing enough that someone's going to take him high. And if you take him high in the NFL. You have a vision for him, right? You're going to bring him in. You have an idea of how you're going to run him. You're not going to all of a sudden start running him out of shotgun every freaking play or or make him move laterally all the time. Like You're going to have an idea of how to use him if you're going to spend that kind of draft capital on him. So that's what I'm going to be resting on a little bit. Um, so I think he's kind of comfortably in my running back too right now. I'm telling you, I, I know this is probably against consensus right now, but I'm still with trade on Henderson at number one. That's, and I just don't, I just don't know why he can't be – why can't he be what DeAndre Swift is right now? 
I know that there's some things that we don't Swift like about was, the profile. Swift but. sucked for years. Don't any Swift manager suck. out he there? Was in, he was injured. He was. It the, sucked no, to manage even, him. It sucked to be his manager. That. Those guys yeah. are not winning. It sucks their to be. It sucks to be not... his manager. But you're you're loving it right now if you're his manager because he finally <laughs> found a place that's using him If you didn't him sell properly. him any of those three years, if you didn't I did sell it. him, you did like... held on. That's what that's what true believers do. <laughs> I sold him for JT. So I'm. How are you enjoying that right now? How are you enjoying that right now? I sold JT for, for Bijan, so I'm enjoying it pretty well. I rotate okay. these babies every year. That's, that's fine. I'm just saying, I don't know why he can't be. I don't know why he can't be J.K. Dobbins either. These guys who are a little bit more finesse, they're less powerful backs. They excel as receivers. They're not they're that trendy like style of back. I don't know why he can't be Delvin Cook. You know what I mean? Like he's he has that same type of build. He's probably even a little bit more athletic than that. I think he falls in that spectrum of running backs. And like, I don't, I think we want him to be somewhere else. Where's the power? Where's everything else? He's probably just not that type, but I think he's good enough to, to be those types. I think I, I, I'm still holding him at everyone. I think he's had a bounce back this year as well. Okay. Well, I actually came, I feel like people are listening think that we came here to argue with each other, but I'm actually agreeing with you. I do think he's, <laughs> I, I, I don't really care for his running down the middle, but I don't care. We're arguing way, about like, DeAndre uh, Swift, really. <laughs> yeah anyway uh, but i i actually like the dalvin i like the dalvin cook actually call there but i i think he's a he's a he's a good enough runner down the middle like he's not will shipley he's not he's i think he's a good runner down he's a fine runner down the middle but definitely makes more of his money in space and he's definitely one of the better passaging backs in this in this class as well uh so yeah i i like henderson as well i think he's fine but i haven't i i don't think he lived up to the hype though like that's my issue with him I don't know. It was kind of like he looked really good that first freshman season. There were some raw parts to his game, too, that I think still had to develop, but expected as a freshman. Then that sophomore year just riddled by injury, but it also gave the emergence of other guys, got like OSU used to rotating backs a little bit more. I think they kind of carried that into this year, but I still think Travion looks the best out of all of them when he gets on the field, and I still think he's showing some of those things that I like. Yeah, I'd like to see a bigger workload. This is probably better for his long run, too, that we don't see this ridiculous workload. I also never see him pass blocking. I don't know why I care about pass blocking. I don't ever see him out there doing that. Yeah. Let me click he, on that. Oh, he's actually uh, out there blocking a little bit. Maybe I have to I'd have to check out on the numbers there. Let's talk about the one guy that's probably the most polarizing at the top of this class, just because of the way this year started. Wait, I want to know how quick, my real quick, Braylon and Trey and Trey Henderson. Like the drafts tomorrow. We think they're both still day two guys. Yep. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm still with okay. you. So if they continue their trajectory, we're, we're fine. All right. So yeah. Go, so, on, so, go on with your go on with your intro. I just wanted to get that out of the way. Yeah. So yeah, the most polarizing guy here at top because of the way he started, Mr. Raheem Sanders, a guy that we probably both had pushing for RV one in this class at some point, at least through the offseason, through last year, through through whatever, um, because of that skill set. But adds the weight this year, comes in with the knee injury, just doesn't look like himself at all. I'm not sure what to do with him. I don't feel like it's fair to analyze him right now because of the injury and without seeing him not and and it being he's healthy and he looks this way. And 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 how much I can relate to the added weight taking away some athleticism. Like I just don't know. He just doesn't look good right now though. So I don't I really don't know. At this point I don't think he's coming out. When Austin pushed me into Debbie content, I actually felt so more or less confident and like my actual NFL draft analysis, because I usually didn't care about early work. I cared about like the final year and maybe the year before that. And that's why I felt like I got suckered into Zach Evans, for example, because I saw the early stuff, the early flashes, and I just held on to that forever. And I was like half, half of NFL Twitter where I was like, no, this guy's good. Trust me. And then like, yeah. he's not. Um, 
With Raheem, though, I don't think he's that. I, Raheem, we saw last year. We saw him put it together. He looked excellent. Yeah. All the context about what's changed, it wasn't like he tore an ACL. He put on weight, so I'm questioning his functional mobility. And then I think this is a much worse Arkansas team. Like they can't open holes for him. They can't this this team can't do much. No. Straight up can't do much on offense. So I, I don't think like the situation around him got worse. And my only real question is his functional mobility. But like we saw what he was before. So I still think that player is there. Like I just really do. Um but like if, if he can't fix his weight and his mobility through his weight, if he goes to like the NFL or even goes to the combine, but he comes to the combine like 230 instead of 245, like he lost the weight. This is this is another like Ramondre Stevenson type situation. This is gonna be one of those. Yeah. So anyway, I am worried. I really just need to see the mobility. I, I am do worried. You, do you think at this point you're halfway through the season? I hasn't put anything on resume. I think I think he's staying. I have, I see no reason to go to the NFL anymore. Yeah. Yeah, if he keeps this up, he's staying. I'm with you yeah. on that. And they're hitting their harder part of their season, their schedule. I actually want to yeah. kind of pull it up. But they're they're hitting the harder parts of their schedule right now. So unless he really blows up like the final six weeks, like then yeah, I'm with you. It's just so bad, dude. 34 attempts, 91 yards, two touchdowns. It's so bad. It's so bad. And he just doesn't look contact one point six eight. Like what what are you putting on this weight for? Like you're supposed to be know. stronger. I don't know. I'm a, I'm, I'm concerned. Yeah. He almost has more receiving yards than rushing yards. Mm-hmm. And it was like one big like forty yard catch or something. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Uh. Yeah. So I am worried. I don't think it. If you're gonna see a Steely, I don't think I don't even think it's possible to sell him. I think you're like the price is too low and you have to hold him. Now if you're yeah, on the opposite end, though, I'd absolutely be sending. I'd be sending yeah. some low ball offers. I got Jonathan Brooks, and maybe I'm sending him out if I have. Well, yeah, I'm trying to send some guys out for him. Some like real low yeah. ball. Offers. The bounce back a little bit, yeah. yeah. All right, let's let's get out of the top group here. Trey Benson, uh, kind of similar to Raheem, but he actually looked really good last week. Yeah. You were the first guy on Benson out of the two of us. I have more credit you with him. Where your thoughts are on Benson? He's still running back four for me right now. I think that we still see some of those traits. I think he's been trying to do a little bit too much this year sometimes. I think that, but you also see some of the stuff, like I think like right, uh, at least last time I checked, I don't know if it going into last week, if it was after last week, if it's still the same, but he had like a way higher yards after contact than a lot of the guys in that back it, that in the backfield that he's sharing with as well. So it's like he was having to create a lot for himself, like, for some reason, like, I don't know if it's just coincidence or whatever, like you watch it and he's getting hit in the backfield more than anybody else was. It's like when he's in the game, I don't know if they're just gearing up on it. They think he's going to, uh, they're going to run the ball with him or whatever, but he just seemed to have more trouble getting out of the backfield than a lot of other guys. Sometimes I think he waits too long. Sometimes I think he dances too much. This was one of the comparisons I made with David Montgomery, where I don't think that they're like super, super athletic, but they're guys that, I mean, Dave Montgomery forced like the most missed tackles in like freaking history or whatever. Trey Benson was on that track, but has kind of fallen off a little bit this year. Um, so I I, I want to just see him put together a bunch of games here. We need to see consistency because coming into the year, I don't know if the hype just got to him or whatever, but he's just not the player that I was hoping to would come into this year. But I'm not I'm not throwing in a towel yet. I still think all the traits are there that I like the size, um, the athletic, the athleticism, the elusiveness in the open field, the contact balance as well. All those things I really like. And plus, when you look at the rest of this class, I just don't know if there's an, a, a lot of other guys really pushing. Um, we'll talk about a couple here that are probably pushing him a little bit, especially if the year continues to go the way it is. But right now, I'm still holding strong at running back four. I thought he looked better as a receiver too. You didn't really mention that, but I thought he looked a little bit more involved in the receiving game like that. Yeah. Um, 
and then and then his missed tackle rate, like please, bro, like that was more Duquesne than it was. You Trey keep Bennett. talking about it. Look at the rate though. He did he did good in other games. Yes, that 18, game. Yes, he got he got 18. eleven. Was it eighteen? I thought it was eleven. I thought he had eight. I'll look it up right now. I thought it was eighteen in that one I game. Think it, that was ridiculous. It might have been like eighteen or something. But it was eighteen. No. Eighteen yeah. on eleven attempts. Okay, did he hit double digits in any other game? Yeah, 12 against Georgia Tech and 10 against Miami. Miami was so good last year. Anyway. (laughs) Same defense you're touting this year. Dude, that defense is legit this year. Okay. (laughs) Secondary. And, uh, yeah, and those guys, the coaching staff over there really fumbled the bag. Um, Unlike our viewers who will be going to Home Field Apparel to get that promo code 15% off campus to Ken. Don't fumble the bag on that. Don't be like the NCAA. (laughs) Don't be like Miami. (laughs) <laughs> um right. so we so do we agree here though like is Trey Benson still a, a day two pick for you yeah I haven't moved anyone out of my top four only because so, yeah, I, I just locked in. didn't want to be too I don't want to be too reactive you know I don't want to be too panicky and I wasn't I, I I know FSU likes to rotate running backs like they had three guys last year so I really wasn't worried about them getting uh Rodney Hill and I can't remember the other guy touches either and he has been more efficient than those guys like not by much but he has been more efficient so that's fine by me. I wasn't really that's fine. I do want to talk about one thing though. His his um you talk about his tackle breaking ability. Do you think he like breaks it out of like violence or like he's more like I'm slippery? You know what I'm saying? Like he's both. Okay, you think he's both? Yeah, I do. I some of them I think that he's credited with being missed tackles, but a lot of them are him bouncing off guys and just having like a low center of gravity. But he yeah. also has some shiftiness to him. He does. I just see some upright stuff that I'm like, I don't think that'll fly in the NFL. Like, I don't think he's going to break that in the NFL. You know, like there's some, there's just some guys you're like, I don't know if that technique really transitions. Whereas yeah. like other guys like Braylon, like I think he can transition with his running technique. Um, all right. Going on to number five though. Uh, well, okay. My number five preseason, Chase McClellan. Can I get a temperature check from you? Cause I. Dropped. I would. What's cooler than being cool. You're supposed to say ice cold. Ice cold. <laughs> I, I was gonna say that, but I wasn't actually sure if that's what it was. I'm like, oh no, my that's the heat check. It's ice cold, dude. I yeah. I don't. I can't believe our company sucked me back in into him. Anyway, yeah. I don't. See he hasn't. Bird. He hasn't I'm looked great. But no. He's I'm not a day two guy. All, no. Well, no. Yeah. No. Sorry. No. But I, I think he goes day three, and I don't think I care. Damian um, Harris type. Damian Harris went in the fourth, right? No, he went day two to the Patriots, which was really weird, by the way. Did not understand that pick, but that's what we do. We do that type yeah. of stuff, yeah. yeah. which is where we are today. <laughs> Ramon uh, Stevenson was a third round too, right? Wasn't it? Nope, he was a fourth. See, I got he the mix. I got the two mixed. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, we, <laughs> I we, found it. <laughs> we do well day three. We don't do, we don't do anything day two, right, or day one. Yeah. Um, anyway, shout out to Yes. I think yeah. we're I think we're pretty cold on Jason McClellan. He's not a good creator on the second level. Um, he hasn't been able to create outside of this offensive line that's struggling a little bit, which is rare for Alabama. But you want to see guys who can do a little bit above it, like bail out their their offensive line if they have to. He just hasn't been able to do it. He hasn't been very creative. There's times where Roy Dell even is like outproducing him, which is you know hard to even witness. But um, yeah, he's had some bounce backs. We'll get in, we're getting into SEC play here. If he can put together a better pr- production profile going through the SEC here, we might you know maybe he'll start climbing boards a little bit but for me he's he's locked in as a day three guy i don't think he has a juice that was advertised i don't think the vision's there the yeah. toughness isn't there as a receiver i think he's been okay actually though but uh as a runner i think there's a lot 
to not be desired. Uh, Ole Miss was a great game. It really was. I don't know. They have a good defense. Yeah. But then, like, Mississippi State wasn't really good, and Texas A&M was much worse. So, um, yeah. I mean, bring bring on Justice Haynes. And yeah, I don't know what's going on with Chan Miller, but bring on that that duo. Let's go, let's go to let's talk about a guy that we actually think could push this upper group. Okay, this is probably a guy that's becoming a little bit of a favorite for both of us. Yes, um, Kansas running back Devin Neal, uh, really coming into his own as a rusher. Um, for me personally, I think I like I'm seeing like a higher level of of just understanding of being a rusher uh, between the patience, um, you know, decisiveness, when to get downhill, when to hold a little bit, pressing the line, when to press, evading tacklers, uh, that second level deception. I feel like it's like all coming together for him. Kind that of first like, step is so good. He's so dynamic. I think he's so, so dynamic good. and he gets up. The burst the- is so clear. The burst is so clear. Like he's, he sometimes he looks like he shot out of a cannon. Like he just like, once he sees the hole and he gets, and he makes that decision, it's like poof. And you know, and it's, it's super efficient and weapon in the past game too. He has the the pass catching upside as well. He oh easily my God. Yeah, dude. has like, that. He easily has the profile too. of a day two back. He does. He he he, he just the only concern I have for him. And he's got the size. He's got everything. It's just the lack of attention he's going to get at Kansas, and they don't feed him enough to put up the extraordinary stats that care. sometimes people want to see. But I, I I don't. I just he, I he deserves care. the attention. I'm just scared he's not going to get it. That's my main concern. I think yeah, I, he's the top five running back for me in this class, and I think. When the dust settles and we figure out what's going on with Raheem and and the other guys at the top there, I think he's going to be even higher than RB5 for me. I really do. Mm. So I, I, he had a bad game against Texas. I watched that full game. He had no holes. Like they lost, they lost a trench battle, like every single yeah. play on both sides of the ball. He had one big run, and like that was really about all his impact that, that whole game. But like, yeah, I don't have any real issues with his game. I think he's really good. The only issue is that there's no volume. He's not getting the hype right now. But like, it's, it's there. The tools are there, and it's not just raw. Like it's you can see the refinement. I think he's yeah. if he's a day three guy, I think he's a steal. He's going to be the day three running back that I believe in. There's always like one every single class, yeah. you know, and yep. he's he's going to be it for me 100. Even if he goes day three, I'll still put him up. I could not uh, agree more on that one. Let's go on the Marshawn Lloyd. Oh uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> we talked about him a little bit in, in our chat. Uh, yeah, I I am actually really liking what I'm seeing from him early in the season. I think yeah, dude. I don't know what Colin was talking about. Like he was like saying that Aaron Jones was better than Marshawn Lloyd in the offseason. Oh. <laughs> I don't know, dude. That guy's got through loose. I, I always yeah, believe the Marshawn Lloyd. That's for sure. Was it? Didn't he say that he was thinking Austin Jones is going to lead this backfield? Yeah. yeah no, wait a Colin second. Wait a minute. That. Wasn't that you? I think that was you. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but, but honestly like, dude like he, he looks like he's coming back yeah. a little bit like so some of that footwork 7.9 yards per carry he's taken over that like number one role austin jones barely getting any playing time lately the patience the explosiveness i wrote in the chat today i think he presses the line better than any back in this class he pushes so forward into that line and is able to make like the lateral cut outside still like to the point where like I'm believing that he's making the push into that into that hole. Like he's he's selling it so good. Already 31 missed tackles for us, which is like third in the power five, I believe, out of running backs on a pretty low number of touches too. Like he's was spelling with Austin Jones there for a while. They're getting Quentin Joiner touches. They're getting lots of guys touches. He's PFF's number one graded back right now. I don't know what that's worth to you. I'm just letting you guys know the information. That's how they're seeing it. They think he's the number one back right now. I know that I had a I had I had a lot of love. I had a lot of love for this guy as a freshman as well, but he's looking like that dude again, man. Like, like to me, like for right now, he's running back six for me with a chance to climb. I just lost some internet connection on PFF, so I can't confirm 
the missed tackles forced. I know there's 31 on 66 attempts, but I'm yeah. with you. He's a riser for me. I'm definitely eating crow on this one so far. Yeah, I love I think it. He's, he's definitely in my top 10 for this class for sure. I think he's shiftier. I haven't done like a full study on it. And obviously like the offense is dynamic and Pac-12 defenses always suck. So I really hate trying to like decide if guys are actually good or defenses actually just suck. Um, but it's still like such a high level of efficiency and production that he's done so far that, yeah, I just think I'm wrong on this one. So I'm buying in a little bit. Yeah. I do think, you know, like the, the point you brought on the chat about like some of the receiving work, like I wish we did see more of that. And he didn't have a lot of receiving work in high school either. So that's still kind of a question mark to his profile. We've seen him do some nice things with catches after the catch and stuff like that. He has some of those highlight plays, but it's not to a consistent level yet. I mean, I think Austin Jones even has more catches than him. It seems like they're using... They're, they're liking him a little bit better in those situations, which is maybe the, the only concerning part, I think, of his profile right now. He's not top in missed tackles for us. I think he probably is on a no, touch basis. He's but. top three, isn't he? That's what I said. Uh, in, in power five. Estimate, Brooks, Bailey, and then Chase but like, McClellan. But isn't 31 tied like a bunch? Uh, Yeah, the random guy from Cal that I've been meaning to look at, and then Taj Brooks. Yeah, the senior or whatever. Yeah, he's been filling in for odd or whatever, yeah. Yeah. I picked up like a blues. All right, let's head on over to Jonathan Brooks. Texas running back that's been taking over. Um, a little bit of your guy this offseason. You're, you're pretty Yeah, big. yeah. Pretty At least as a CFF guy, you're pretty much you're pretty there. Yeah, I was touting him, I, but he definitely surpassed my touting like by a yeah. long shot, like not even close. <laughs> um, so his first two years at Texas, he was like 21 attempts for 143 yards, 30 attempts for 100 and 97 yards both over 6.6 yards per carry and then this year he's still doing that on 108 attempts for 722 yards and six touchdowns uh his last four games all over 100 yards wyoming baylor kansas oklahoma oklahoma's a decent defense i think wyoming's a, a better g5 team but baylor is definitely isn't that good and then kansas too anyway he's been beating expectations there's no reason for them to rush cj baxter to take over for him which was what all of our assumption was going to be was that he still is like you know that like we believed in brooks on the cff level but baxter was definitely the nfl talent um i think he's got really excellent vision i think he's excellent in the open field he's not like shifty but he's like one of the most slippery runners i think out there so like that's the way he breaks tackles it's not like he's lowering his pads and bouncing off dudes through power and stuff like that. I don't think power is really his game. He's six foot two Oh seven. Um, I doubt he's six foot, but anyway, six foot two Oh seven. I don't think he, I don't think he ever hits two ten or two fifteen. Like I don't think that's in the cards for him. Uh, just cause he has a smaller frame. I, I really did like John the Bruce. I thought he was a slippery runner, really efficient, but the vision to me is what sticks out. I just think he's really efficient because he just, I think he, he processes the game really well as a running back. And then as a as a blocker too, like he's not bad. I, I I think he like finds the right hole. I don't know if he's successful in his blocks, but he's really good at least at the first half of actually reading where the blitz is coming from. But anyway, and he's a really good pass catcher. He's not bad as a pass catcher. He's got ten for one twenty one on the year so far. I got yeah, a couple into big plays. I actually thought when I watched him, I, I did write that he catches the ball really comfortably. I think that's actually a plus in his game. He, he looks fine out there. He doesn't fight the ball. Uh, natural hands catcher as well. Um, I thought he read the line well. I think he has good vision throughout the play. You know, understands where it's going with the blockers. Likes to lower that shoulder, take on contact at the end of plays. Like, I wouldn't call him like uh, the guy that wants to try to make you miss. He's 
very much kind of just like takes on contact all the time. I got to say though, man, like I got, I was kind of interested to get your take here, at least on his tape. Cause like it still come, comes off as a little bit like just, just like meh to me. I think, I, I, I think he's I, CFFE. Yeah. I don't think his, his yeah. style translates. I just don't, I don't, I think, I think he's probably, uh, but he like, like Chase Brown, like Chase Brown danced too much. and was really efficient when he did win. He's not yeah. like that. But I'm just saying like, he's like, he has a defined skill set. That's very good for college, but like the slipping off tackles thing, like he's, He's just slippery. He's not breaking them. It's not like really technique. I just don't no, know and he's he, not getting wrapped he, up. He's just not getting wrapped up somehow. He's not a lateral mover. Like there's no, no like there's no sudden like the occasional jump cut maybe, but it's not like a quick process when he makes that that jump cut. He's not. He, he's more of like a guy for like side to side. Um, you know, I don't think he's. I think he's probably a four five plus guy too. Like we seen like in that Kansas game too. He had the long he, run. He got like yeah. tracked down pretty good. Um, it's the I, vision I, that really appeals me to him. Like he's got, I think he does have excellent vision. I, did, I, I think that that vision is there too. I just think he's missing some of the intricacies of the game. I, like he's not a tempo runner. There's no patience there. He gets the ball and it's like 90 miles an hour. I just like, to me, it's a little bit uncreative. You know, you guy follows his blocks really well, understands where the play is going. Um, you know, takes on contact instead of trying to evade a little bit. Like, I mean, I mean, like I hate to say it. Um, and I think, you know, this comp pretty well, but he gave me Rakeem Boyd flashes. From oh. Arkansas back in the day, I think um, he's better than that. But okay, but that, like that's kind of the thing. A guy who looks good gets a lot of volume, um, follows his play really well, has some good vision. But there's just nothing there that really stands out to me about the guy. And I really think that there's there's no NFL part. traits there. There's no yeah, NFL like that's that's what's concerning me about about him a little bit. Maybe I'm wrong on this guy, and maybe that's that's the guy I'm going to be wrong in, in this class because there's a lot of people kind of climbing aboard here on this. But for now, from what I've seen, I just don't see the. the that level of player and i've talked about texas's game against kansas quite a bit i mean they destroy yeah. them in the trenches i mean he yeah. had a lot of free room there to do whatever yeah. he wanted um but yeah so i i i have him i think as rb7 in the class or something like that but i think he's like a very clear day three guy maybe rotational piece something like that yeah i don't know where exactly he would fall for me right now he might even fall outside my 10 Know, like is Jeff Wilson ish, you know. I'm trying to think of like guys that are mediocre that still get productive, you know. Like it's yeah, he'll need he'll need an avenue in the NFL, I think, like a like a, like a, like a injury in front of him or something, and then maybe he catches on that way. Handcuff, yeah, he's a handcuff yeah. level guy for me. Yeah. All right, let's get on to our last running back here, Audrey Estime, uh, Notre Dame running back, had a really bad week last week, but overall, like been really efficient. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's a bruiser. Uh, Austin, Austin, and I both actually, both of us. Have Compton to Hassan Haskin. I did it in a DM to a friend, and he did it on the show. And I sent him a screenshot live on the show. Like, dude, we said the same thing. <laughs> um, I think but I, I, I can't unsee Hassan Haskins. I don't think I think he's a build-up speed runner. He's definitely not bursty. I don't yeah. think I see him first step in him. Um, I think he's just a really good bruiser. I think he's just an old-school classic bruiser. And as he gets into like tougher play, like Ohio State, Duke, Louisville, like he's starting to slow down. I mean, he beat up on Navy, Tennessee State, NC State, Central Michigan. But, like, he started to slow down. So I think the train's going to start slowing down, too, for him to get draft capital. This is just – I just don't see high-end NFL stuff. That's I mean, he's just – he's fine. He's old-school power back. Nothing special. Yeah, I don't see, like, amazing footwork from him. I see a little bit lethargic at times. You know, has, has a little bit of trouble kind of, trouble kind of getting that edge when he tries to. But – 
once he's getting downhill, if he can get ahead of steam, I actually think there's some pretty good speed there. Like I actually give him, I think yeah. more, yeah. more athleticism than I would give Hassan Haskins. I think there is a little bit more there to him. Um, but I just don't think there's enough of a, uh, a diverse profile there to picture him as anything higher than a day three pick. And like a guy who enters the league as a backup. I mean, if Tank Bigsby enters the league as a backup, even a second round pick, I don't even know how, I don't, I don't think Audrey Kessemay finds any kind of meaningful role out the gate. I do think about the other power backs I gave day three grades to in the past, like Abram Smith, Chris Rodriguez. Like I, I think Chris Rodriguez is a better candidate than he is. Like Shiftier. Um, okay. Rodriguez was underrated for some of it. Me too, bro. Yeah. I do believe that. But now he's with the commanders, so I'm sure we'll never see him. But yeah. <laughs> Kevin Harris, I like Kevin Harris more than like Audrey Estime. Uh Anyway. That's actually a very, actually, that's actually close to me. Because I actually thought Kevin Harris was the type of guy that suffered trying to change direction. I thought he couldn't like, like he was a, he was a very good downhill runner, a build up speed type of runner. I didn't see like the bursts of it. That's actually a pretty good uh Pretty good comp there. there, yeah, yeah, okay. Anyway, midday three, but like, I think right now he's my RB7 in the class. I don't know, like, yeah, he's there. And then we're not talking, he ended up in my top 10 too, which I didn't, I didn't love, but I didn't have any like real pass catching specialists in my rankings, uh, because I just don't care about the next level. But like, Will Shibley's can go for him, for example, like 100%. Like, Will Shibley's can go for him. I think he's the best passing running back in this class, probably fourth round for me, but anyway, yeah, RB7 power back, nothing really special for me. Cool. All right. Done with running backs, right, Corey? No, we're done. We're done. Yeah, so we're back to our old shenanigans, long shows. Love it. That's how you know we have so much stuff to talk about. Too long. We got we to gotta get going here. <laughs> Let's talk about the game of the week. Yeah, you're always talking about me and Austin talk this, me and Austin talk that. So I got, we got to push past that now. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm getting jealous over here. All right, game of the week. <laughs> UNC versus Miami. We were thinking about talking about Oregon versus Washington, but we talked a lot about those players today. Um, so our game of the week is going to be UNC versus Miami QB. Uh, let's talk Tyler Van Dyke, the bounce back. I thought Tyler Van Dyke was uh, beyond excellent against Texas A&M. Yes. Very, very good game against Texas A&M. Um, bad week against uh, last week, but um, <laughs> he's like, he's looked okay. Like, like coming into last week at 1100 yards, 11 touchdowns, only one interception. He had that 370 yard, five touchdowns, zero interception performance against Texas A&M, which is a good team, a good defense. You know what I mean? Like, and I think we saw signs of this last year. He's a little bit of a streaky player. You know what I mean? Like those two games right before injury last year, he looked freaking awesome. Then he goes and get injured. And then, you know, he comes into this year's playing awesome again. He kind of has these hiccups again, like here against Georgia's, Georgia Tech here, but I think he's just another ta- another name throwing himself in, in in this class. Like, there's just so many freaking names. I just don't know what to even do. In the, you know, good size, good arm. I'm just not sure that he does anything transcendent to like warrant a high draft pick or anything like that. To even yeah, worry about a little guy. bit earlier, I, I still think he's like a day three guy. I don't know, yeah. you know, like uh, like a Clayton Tune, like he's kind of like in that category. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah. So we'll see him at the Senior Bowl. Um, and then shame on Josh guys for ruining him. Shame on yeah. you, Josh Gaddis. Yeah. Anyway, so who knows what we're, who knows what we would be saying if Josh Gaddis never went through? <laughs> so so much stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't have lost to Georgia Tech. Uh, Drake May. <laughs> Drake May is phenomenal. I he's I he's a top five guy for me, and I think in the NFL, I think he has QB one potential as an NFL QB as well, along with Caleb Williams. I don't think either one of these guys are bad draft picks for any NFL franchise or fantasy franchise that you're like trying to draft them for either. So I, I think Drake May has just been excellent. He's been elevating a subpar team. I'm all on the Drake May train. I have nothing bad to say about him. 
No, I mean, the, the only thing I would say in his profile is like the, the, the sacks a little bit. Like last year, he was third in the NCAA last year with four with over four sacks. Um, he only has 11 through six games this year, which is a little bit of a better pace. So he's cleaning that up a little bit. That's maybe one thing I want to see from him uh, throughout the season, just to make sure you keep cleaning up that sack of points a little bit, making quicker decisions. But other than that, like given the circumstances, new OC weapons are constantly in and out the door between injuries and now guys with edgeability coming back and whatever. He's doing very good given the circumstances around before we get off of quarterbacks, I do just want to give a quick shout out to, to a freshman here um, on Miami side. And that's Emery Williams, who interesting kid, six, 490 pounds, big arm. He flashed at the elite 11, had a little bit of height coming out of there, kind of dropped a little bit in, in the recruitment rankings, but he seems to have hopped to Cray Brown on a depth chart. If you're looking for a guy who's a little bit intriguing, could be like dirt cheap, got to throw a stab at he, he's probably Miami starter in 2024. Um, so Emory Williams, you got to maybe watch out for. I'm just box tour scouting right now. Nine for 11 for 102 yards against Bethlehem Cook. That's pretty good. Why did PFF give him a 52 grade on that? Like, why? I don't know what's wrong with that. They gave like Jackson Arnold like an 80 grade for his zero eight out throws. I think he got sacked like three times or something like that. I wonder if that goes into it. One sack, four drop, drop bags. Oh, okay. So, well, you know, that's something. I don't know. Like, whatever. But yeah, he had, a, he had a great spring. He also had a very good connection with another freshman there in Nathaniel Joseph, the very fast wide receiver over there that they they hooked up a lot in the spring game. Um, so it could be a connection to kind of keep an eye on going forward. I like that call. I didn't even think about him. I'll look at that later. Anyway, <laughs> uh, let's go over the running backs, though. Um, Is there anybody here? Backs- is there anybody here you care about? Like, no, let's just, I thought you, let's just I thought you cared about Mark. Don't you care about Mark Fletcher from? Florida? I don't. Like, per- I don't. Per- I think he's going to be a great CFF asset. I think he could be a guy who could like man the position for like you know like an Audric Estime in a sense for like a good I was three, about to say, four years. Next Audric like, yeah, like that type or whatever. Like that's what I think he could be. So like I I actually like him in that sense. And if he can continue to develop, I don't think it's a terrible. Like I don't I don't like his price during the offseason, especially with people outside of our group because he's going way higher. But if you had to take like a late round stab on him, like. Yeah, if you take a little, like a late round stab on him, I don't hate that from a CDC perspective, but it's all price based here. Like, I'm not, I'm not ruling it out that maybe he develops as it goes along, but right now, I'm not expecting it. So, I mean, that's the only inspiring guy. athlete. I don't think yeah. he's got vision. He's just a plotter and a tank. Yeah. Speaking um, about plotter, and unlike Estime, <laughs> he doesn't run behind a super elite line that makes these big holes like SMAs does for him. No, I was just saying. Speaking about plotter, Amari and Hampton on the other side here on UNC's room, like. 3.6 yards per carry outside of that App State game. He just like struggles to get anything going. This guy's like the definition of a plotter to me. Yep, six foot two twenty. Do love the size. And then Mark Fletcher is also six foot two two twenty five. Um, had one great game against App State. I think I saw some victory laps on Twitter for some people, which was weird because <laughs> Power Five versus G Five. Like that was kind of you know like, it was a really good game, but like let's be realistic with it. Besides that though, like really uninspiring. Minnesota thirteen for forty six. Pittsburgh eighteen for sixty six. Syracuse, 15 for 78. Um, yards out of contact, 3.3. Like, I don't know. There's nothing inspiring about him. I don't think anything special about him. I don't think he's an NFL guy. And, like, I don't know, dude. I Like, maybe we talk about him as a day three power back the way we just did earlier. But, like, I, you, you should he, sell he, him. He, just throw him off yeah. the App State game if you have him. He's created in my rankings, and even starting him in C2C is just like a like a headache because I'm watching him like plod for like 2.8 yards, and he gets a good touchdown, and you're like, yay, some points. But <laughs> like, he gets a max of like 15 points. Yeah, he's been catching some balls too, which is just like not really something I expect out of his profile, but it's 
Yeah, yeah that's supposed to be Petaway, who just yeah. I haven't heard a He's single. He's falling off the map. Yeah. What's his A dot? Sorry, I'm gonna look up his A dot real quick before we move on. Negative one point one. Okay. Cool. <laughs> I, I just don't fall. <laughs> All right, we're done with running backs. Let's go to the wide receivers, though. We talked about Devontae Walker coming back. Uh, everyone's talking about it. Four for sixty-two last week. I actually meant to look up his snap count, but he, I think he played the fourth most snaps. But it was only like four snaps away from the top guy. So really, it was like a, a collection of four guys really like rotating. He got a little bit okay. less than than some of the other guys, but I think it was like seventeen. He had thirty-four receiving snaps. I'm kind of looking forward to seeing what he can do through the back half of the season here. I mentioned it in the beginning that I think like his, his margin for error is small here. Like, is there an Avenue here where becoming eligible halfway through the season actually doesn't do him good the way that we hoped it would, because it's like you get to build it off from the beginning of the season and he gets to grow with Drake may and become like the guy going down the, down the stretch and then blowing up down the stretch. Now he's still, he's coming in, he's getting acclimated. He's going to be hitting like his prime feeling kind of like towards the end of the season here. Maybe puts up a couple like big playoff game or a big uh, bowl game or something like that for him. But like, uh, part of me wonders if like gaining eligibility halfway through the season actually isn't the greatest thing, but let's just, let's just hope that he kind of becomes the guy we thought he could be. I have been slowly, slowly, slow, I have been slowly lowering in the last uh, couple of weeks of the summer. I just got questioning about maybe I'm just. He's an older prospect, right? His one thing is yeah. his size and speed. It's not really a footwork thing. We just think he has actual like high end NFL speed, like 23 miles an hour, which is like huge for a guy his size. But like, that's the guy you scheme open. That's the guy that you have game plans for. That's not a guy that like you can just like have like Michael Pittman out there running all the time. Like it's not that type of size guy. Like he's a very specific skill set, like a deep threat. The whole point was like his upsized Christian Watson. Um, So I've been worried. This is also the guy just like Adnan Mitchell. We're we're excited about the tools somewhat. We just need to put it together. This is an, this is one of those things where it's supposed to be opportunity driven. I don't know, dude. I'm a little nervous about it. I, I had him as a wide receiver 25, I think, end of season, end of end of uh end of the offseason. And going into the offseason, I had him at like wide receiver 17. So not much movement, but I kept moving him down a little bit. So yeah, I am a little yeah. bit worried. It's not about the skill set, it's more about the production profile and his age. I finally got the snap counts up. Kobe Pastor, JJ Jones, name a column were like 41, 41, 37, and he was at 34. So he was yeah, it was primarily for it was heavily actually it was just heavily four guys and they rotated the four guys through. Yeah, uh, I still think he could develop into the one though for Drake May. Like, I'm, it's not out of question for me. I don't, I, so either, I don't know what we. I think everyone here at this company has on their on their um, platforms have discussed like this guy might be on a scout team. We don't know what he's doing. Like he might need some time to acclimate. So I'm just happy to see him out there. I I don't know what he is. He is definitely day two upside. I think it's more third round upside. Uh, but I think day three is the safer bet today. Yeah. On the other side here, we're kind of seeing, um, well, actually let's, let's talk about a guy that's a little bit of our, our guy here, Colby Young, who maybe isn't, didn't become the number one wide receiver that we were hoping for that connection with TVD didn't exactly blow blossom into what we were hoping, but I will still say like, he's, he's mo- most of the time he's like the second leading receiver in the game, or it seems to be that preferred deep, uh, that higher volume, big target where at Jacoby George, I kind of give him those shots downfield every once in a while, but Colby Young seems to be like that higher volume possession type of guy. But I don't, I don't think it's necessarily going the way we had probably hoped to start the year. No, dude, not at all. I don't, I had this issue with him 
and fields where they're being used as possession guys, and then they can do more than that. Yeah. Like Colby Young is four for five on contested cards. So like that was kind of expected. We thought he could be a bully at the catch point. His yak is really good, but like they're giving the ball in short area. I don't yeah, he's don't become like he's it. become the possession guy. Jacoby is like the downfield shot guy. Yeah. You got Restrepo is the guy in the slot, who we'll talk about here in a second, actually. But then you got Colby who's like the possession guy and the boundary guy on the outside, the like fallback option, the guy to move the chains if you need to. Like that's kind of like the role he's operating here, which doesn't really always lead to a bunch of production but i like it's okay either way he's not climbing into like day two or anything like that he's gonna be like a day three pick and you know struggle to make a roster at this point yes i agree with that i agree with that yeah. statement i'm gonna struggle to make a roster but i don't i'm not expecting to do anything in the NFL. no i do it's hard to expect him to do anything but ex- on, on the other end extraver strepo kind of having a little bit of a bounce back here this was a guy that i think you know a lot of people had comps to like tyree kill i believe back in the day with xavier no, that's strepo. Richard smith oh that was Richard smith yeah. Okay. I don't know. I, I thought that I'm probably mixing up those two. Are you buying Xavier Strippo at all with this kind of uh somewhat? Yeah. I yeah. I was talking about him a little bit last year. I thought him and Ricky Pearsall really are, I think, one of the top two like pure slots Stop, in this guys. class. Like you yeah. know they're gonna be going day three, but they're like they're day three guys that like you also know you're gonna hear a buzz about too, like in the off season. Yeah, I, I actually am buying in a little bit. And then I find it kind of hard to predict these type of small guys because I thought Kyle Phillips was like somewhat good, and then he played one game and like died. So, yeah, I am actually I am buying the Xavier Shepard a little bit. I don't know much about his early stuff. I meant to like watch a little more of him last year. He like what popped off for like two games, got hurt, never saw him again. Uh, yeah. So, Andrew's been the game name for him. Yeah. Yeah, he's like a three star too. So anyway, yeah, I actually am buying the Shepard. I think he's a slot guy. I think he's a day three guy. And I think NFL teams will be happy to have him. Your next Puka Nakua? No, no. <laughs> but he's killing it, though. Have you seen his stats? Like, he's 126 yards against Texas A&M, 120 against Beth- Bethlehem Cook. I guess who cares? 143 against Georgia Tech. So his top two games were against their only two Power 5 competition. He's been solid. Yeah, he's been all right. He's been solid. Any tight ends here you even want to mention? Brian Nesbitt fell off the fucking planet. He's I like thought he actually had a good game last week. I he thought. did. He did. He did. He fell to like third on a depth chart coming out of the offseason. And now all of a sudden he like, I was going to ask you how you took that comeback that he kind of had last week. If you, are you buying him? Like I, I cratered him a while ago. You know, I, I didn't really like him with a Debbie asset too much. Like I thought he yeah. existed. Like that's like every tight end almost. <laughs> I thought he existed. I thought he was fine. Um, He's listed at six foot five, two thirty five. By the way, I thought he was like six foot three last year. I'm not sure. I always, I always thought he was kind of traditional size, maybe a little bit thinner, but I can't remember. Okay. I can't really remember what he was listed. Could have just been me. Anyway, it's cool to see the resurgence. We'll see if it continues. They're getting into conference play, so that's pretty cool for him. I never thought much of him. I just really did not. So don't no. really care about him. And then Miami side, uh, like Jalil Skinner is a name I hear people whisper once in a while. Still, I never. Just give it up, guys. Don't worry about it. Like he was <laughs> undersized anyway. You can give it up. Yeah. Um. Is that it? Elijah Royo too, I guess. But yeah, we're not, we're not really concerned anymore. No, I'm good, man. Let's wrap it up. All right, guys. It's Corey's bedtime. He hates these long shows. This is, dude. We are so back, dude. Hour fifty. We are so back, <laughs> guys. Thanks for sitting through this with us. As always, from Mike and from Corey. Good night and good luck.